podcasting from the deep depths of cyberspace. This is Darn IT Podcast, cybersecurity made simple. And I'm your host, Darn Lee G, CEO of Darn IT Group. Episode 37. Alrighty, this episode, I'll be talking about why banks don't adopt strong security practices. Dun, dun, dun. Well, (laughs) the reason I did that was banks not following strong security practices. Does that sound like blasphemy to you? Really does for me, but really, it's true. Now, banks all over the world, and I can really speak on behalf of the banks in North America, Canada, and in the United States, because uh, I've banked in the U.S., and obviously I bank in Canada. This is something that is really concerning to me, or really anyone in the security field, because the banks should be the ones who are on top of the latest security practices, right? Wrong. Now, I can't blanket this over entire banks. There are banks that are actually taking the initiatives and using the latest cybersecurity practices for their organization. And I also can understand that due to adoption rates um, in terms of their wide clientele, because they're not just focused on tech-savvy millennials. They are servicing everyone. So even the baby boomers, the older generation and the younger generation. So they really have their hands full in terms of adopting the right technology for their user base. But I'm going to start this with a story because I have a personal story what happened to me. Um, I will omit some details, but you'll get the gist of it. This happened about uh, 11 to 12 years ago in my bank, and I won't name or point out any banks in particular, but it was one of the major banks in here in Canada. Um, I opened my bank account to find that I had absolutely no money in my bank account. Now, this was maybe commonplace for me uh, at that stage in my life, and it may have not been. Regardless of the fact, there was $0 in my bank account. And that sort of perplexed me because when I looked at the withdrawals, it went to somewhere incomprehensible. So I really didn't know where this withdrawal came from. So I immediately called the bank provider and asked him, where's my money? And they said, oh, uh, were you not in Sri Lanka? I'm like, "Uh, no, because within four to five hours, I would have flown between Toronto to Sri Lanka, unless I invented time travel. Okay. And I would probably not have money issues at that time. But the point is, um, there was a withdrawal done in Sri Lanka and I had nothing. So the person passed me off to the security department or fraud department and uh, they sort of dealt with it. Uh, In the meantime, uh, which was totally inconvenient because I had uh, bills to pay um, and they were coming out of my account. They were automatically withdrawn from my account. So that was bouncing left, right and center. So 
truth be told, it was a major, major inconvenience. And at the end of it, they really couldn't give me any rhyme or reason why this happened. The only the individual told me, well, it's a common thing to happen. Um, and we've redeposited the money back into your account. So, okay, I was a little frustrated, a little uh, peed off, but all be, truth be told, I got my money back and I sorted out my affairs and, you know, time, time went on and haven't had an issue since because I left the bank. Uh, <laughs> I digress. So this really kind of highlights the reason why I'm doing this podcast in particular, because there is a issue. And I said 12 years ago, and obviously that was 12 years ago, but even moving to today in 2020, there's still a lot of bank practices uh, that goes on for the major banks here in North America that are doing the same thing or nothing at all, or maybe slower progress to the uh, adoption rates of the stronger security practices. Now, I'm, and, and let me say this too, like I'm sure a lot of you uh, listening to this, this podcast in particular have had some issues and you've had issues through either credit cards or through your actual bank accounts, etc. Because uh, uh, credit card fraud and bank fraud is pretty high. Uh, cyber criminals and thieves are looking at different ways to uh, steal money and other parts in the world, especially in Asia, uh, Europe, there's a lot of cases where there's a lot of bank accounts being compromised and stolen. That could be because of easy passwords or through um, uh, phishing attacks, etc. There's different ways cyber criminals will try to uh, go into your bank account. And there's only so many ways that banks could, could solve that. But that's just an excuse. Um, there are technologies out there that could help protect these things from happening. For example, uh, I know a company or a few companies that have certain authentication methods where you could be alerted of a large transaction to credit card. So if someone buys, let's say, 400 uh, IMAX, for instance, um, you would get notification on your mobile device saying, did you authorize this, pur this purchase? Yes or no. And you right there in real time can say yes or no or check mark or X to authorize or discourage it. Also, uh, when it comes to fraud detection methodologies for the banks, um, they could have algorithms on the back end to detect, you know, sort of your shopping habits and your spending habits. If something seems to be out of left field, it would alert you. And a lot of people have the assumption that these that these products are in place currently. But truth be told, that is not always the case. Uh, I've I've heard businesses. Um, that got frauded of you know tens and tens of thousands of dollars uh, through someone using one of their credit cards, and the problem was that the bank took a lot longer to identify it and correct the issue. But what blew the mind of the individual was why is this person from a different country making these charges on a card in a different country? It just didn't it, the math didn't add up, and one would think the fraud detection would be there to protect these sort of transactions from happening, but which wasn't the case. So most innovations in banking are slow and very linear. Um, however, new consumer driven changes are affecting how people are using their money and causing disruptions like 
contactless payments, uh, card net not present payments, instant payments. Just these payments are getting faster beyond measure, uh, especially during this time. Uh, Electric communication has been the primary means of sharing information for the, what, the last 35 years. The dawn of the COVID pandemic really upturned the way we conduct our banking. So why has banking controls lagged so far behind? And this is a fundamental question because the the amount of people I've spoken to in the cybersecurity industry have the same perception of this. And a lot of you who are, who are not part of this are sitting here thinking I'm a big fat liar saying these things, but it's true. And in 2020, these technologies are still not implemented or deployed because some of us are using the standard four pin password or non-complex password to access banking. I've heard this before, someone telling me that I don't understand why I cannot make my password to my bank complicated because I have to adhere to a certain character restriction, which boggles my mind. Um, Two-factor or multi-factor authentication isn't there or they're using two-factor authentication and don't get me started about um, e-transfers. So these things really need to be understood better and consumers really need to push the banks, big or small, independent or conglomerates, the fact that we need to have these tools in place now, not in the next five to 10 years, because cybercrime is only increasing and we need to have the tools to fight this war against these cyber criminals. So this is something very, very near and dear to my heart. And if this is something that concerns you, uh, look up what your bank does in terms of authentication and security practices and see what's being done and contact your bank and push that. Because if we have a lot of people doing this, the banks would do more of an effort into changing that. And anyone in the banking industry listening to this podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, You can contact me uh, at info at darnit.ca. And please let me know. I'd love to talk more about how we can um, better change the way that we, we bank here in Canada and the United States. So, Understand that most of our private networks are designed as a kind of like a spoke topology rather than thousands of independent endpoints. So what does that mean? So we need to understand that the way we conduct business, the way that we are now computing, banking uh, and living our lives from a sort of spoke topology in our networks to our individual endpoints. So we need to make sure that banks understand that we are now being more mobile centric. We are using more mobile devices. That's just not mean cell phones, but laptops, et cetera, in different environments. So we need to make sure that our information is kept secure, private, and that the security practices are top notch. Otherwise, cyber criminals are going to look ways of exploiting these old systems because a lot of banks are doing the same thing. So what about reconciliation and fraud detection? Uh, bank, bank fraud has incurred, or sorry, bank fraud has increased, and these detection tools are still lagging behind some real-time authorization methods that exist today. Now, I, if I told you the existence of this technology to actually authenticate 
different purchases, purchases like I mentioned earlier. You know, would you would you like that? Would that be cool and effective to you? Having an app to be able to authenticate certain purchases that would pop up on your cell phone or tablet or what have you to authenticate a purchase would significantly reduce some fraud on credit cards or debit cards significantly. So we need to we need to push this more and understand that banks are not adopting the strong security practices and they need to do that today. So when it comes to unauthorized access and transfers, um, we need to look at it like, do we need full access across the board or do we need to start um, introducing a zero trust approach when it comes to this? Banks have been very hesitant to adopt many of these practices, even though millions of users are being frauded out of their money which unfortunately is considered an acceptable risk to most of these large banks. Now that kind of rubs me the wrong way because I, I look, I understand banks look at, at risk, what's acceptable risk, et cetera, so forth. I get that. But when it comes to your bank, your money that you've worked hard for, you need to make sure that you are banking with someone or, or, or a company that has your best interests in mind and not theirs. Banks have grown through recessions. They have banks won't run out of money anytime soon. They are in a position to make money and they will continue to make money. But they need to invest some of that money into stronger security practices to protect the people and not necessarily their assets. This emphasis that needs to be put to, to put on the pressure on these major banks in our countries to adopt these strong security practices. Security should always be top of mind and important and should be non-negotiable. Banks should always be focused to keep themselves, their customers, as safe as possible now and into the future. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Darn IT Podcast with your host, Darnley G. If you like our show and want to know more, please like or subscribe to our podcast. Remember... Look both ways before crossing the information superhighway. Safe computing, everybody.